Thank you, ladies. Read a story of a man. He was sitting in his dining room one evening and staring at the wall, and he was crying. And his wife walked in, and she said, "Honey, what's wrong with you?" And uh, he said, "Well, you remember when we were uh, dating, and we were about to get married." He said, "I was having my doubts, and your dad." put a gun on me and said, if you don't marry my daughter, he said, I'll make sure that you go to jail. And she said, I do remember that. He said, well, today would have been the day I got out. <laughs> Amen. Today's the day you get out. Amen. James chapter 1 tonight. I want to begin verse number 19. Last week we looked at verses 17, 18. And looked at verse 16 as we're studying through the book of James on Wednesday night. Again, James is a, is a book of action. In other words, we know that James talks about faith and he said, I'll show you my faith through my action. And that's really what faith is. We can talk about what we believe and, and we can talk about how much faith we've ha had. But when you really have faith, it puts what you believe in action. And so he goes in the first part of the chapter 1. And deals with the fact, as we mentioned last week, that uh, we'll go through trials and tribulation. In verse 16, he said, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness. And I'm thankful as we just sang that song about the blood and the old uh, the stream, the fact that God doesn't change, that in 2024 there's not a new way to get saved. It's the same way as faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so again, it talks about the fact that you and I are left here to, to be a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word of God should have such an impact on us that it changes the way we act. Now, again, uh, salvation is an inward uh, thing that takes place, but it has an outward expression. And so if you're truly born again, it affects the way we behave, right? It affects how, who we are. And so verse 19, notice what he said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, now this is going to hurt Baptist folks, right? Let every man, now let's, how many believe again, the word of God's inspired, it's perfect. So every man, that means there's no exception, right? I'm not the exception, you're not the exception. By the way, ladies, that's not talking about the male gender, that's talking about men as a general term. So it's talking to all of us. Notice what it said, uh, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's in the book, isn't it? Tells, tells me right there, we might just need to say this and close in prayer, that, that we ought to, to listen a whole lot more than we speak. Amen? Now, now the emphasis in our society is on speaking, right? I, I want to speak my mind. I want to tell you what I think. But the Bible said, tells us here, now again, if I believe the word, right? If I believe that, that what he tells me to do, if I don't do it, it's sin, now, we have to examine ourselves when we have this philosophy, this secular philosophy of I'll just, I want to speak my mind and tell people what I think. Well, that's not what the Bible tells us to do, right? So it goes on to say that we're to be, uh, we're to be uh, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Notice, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I hear all the time people say, well, I, I believe in righteous indignation. Well, that's a whole different thing than the wrath, right? 
Wrath is left, left up to God, not to us. So, so verse 21 said, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But verse 22, notice, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So in God's word, if it's a gift to us, then there must be some gain to us. Right? It must be God doesn't do things for no reason. God's, God's word is there. God does not mince words. In other words, he doesn't waste words. When he says something in his word, every word is valuable. Right? Now, now again, if we're going to be Christ-like, then you and I should examine our words and make sure when we do speak, they are words of value and not just... Uh, the Bible says this, that every, we'll be judged by every idle word. So everything you say and I say, God is taking note of that. Now, nobody's going to talk, are we? Amen? And, and so if God's word's a gift to us, then there must be some gain to us. It's not that God just gives us a, a reading list that we need to read the word of God. In other words, it's, it's more than a textbook and a history book. And it, it's more than a, a handbook of how to live. It is God's word. And so as we study and let it change us, there's a gain to it, right? It's not just good principles for living. God gives us his word to change who we are. Amen. And we're changed at salvation, but we're maturing in the things of God as long as we're drawing breath on this earth. And God gives us his word uh, to change us. So it not only makes us more like Christ, it not only allows us to know Christ because the, the, best, uh, the best representation of who Christ is is the autobiography he's written on himself, which is the Bible. And so it not only allows us to know Christ, it is profitable for our lives. Now, can we agree tonight if, if, if when you first started coming to church and learning the Word of God, maybe you were a child, maybe you're older now, could we agree that if we would have just listened and uh, obeyed and done what we knew, uh, been doers of the Word of God, our life would be a whole lot better than it is right now. Right? So it benefits us because we know how to live and that enriches our life. So what is the Word of God, the gain of the Word of God? What do we really gain from it, right? Because it's, 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 it's got some secrets in there. Matter of fact, uh, a lot of it's a mystery, and God reveals things to us as we are maturing and we're ready for it. So again, I said it last week, don't, don't get so caught up in the Word of God of what you don't understand. Take what you do understand and live it and be a doer of it, and then God may reveal more things to us. So how does it benefit us uh, as we walk with God? Well, number one, it, 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 it affects change in our talk. That's what verse 1920 is all about. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So in other words, there's two things I see. First of all, swift to respond to speaking. What do you mean by that, preacher? I thought you told us not to talk a lot. Well, that's what he's saying. He's t we ought to be swift uh, to, the, the, to the word of God. In other words, this is God speaking to us. Now, we do have the still small voice, but I mentioned it the other night. The, the, the still small voice, the spirit of God never contradicts the word of God. And, and so we ought, we ought to learn to listen. Hello? And we live in a world that it becomes difficult to listen. I mean, it, there's always something going on. You go out to eat and you see a, a family sitting there and all of them are doing this. 
Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, can't, you cannot have your mind on two different things. It's impossible to do. So if you're consumed with a phone or with something else or TV or whatever, you can't put your attention where it needs to go. And so if we're, if we're speaking, we're not listening. Am I, am I on here? Right? I mean, if you're speaking, you're not listening. And so the Bible said in, in verse, uh, verse number 19, uh, let every man be what? Swift to hear. In other words, quick to listen to what God has to say in his word. Because if you look in the context of what it's written, he's telling us that every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and that God has given his word. So we have to be swift to listen to the word of God. Now, now, I'll give you this. When I was a young Christian, and like many young Christians, as I started learning some things about the word of God, I thought I knew everything. Now, that the older I get, the more I study the Bible, the less I think I know. But I remember our home church, we had revival, and the preacher was preaching in revival. And he, said, he made this statement. He was talking about Abraham, and he said, Abraham is the only person in the Bible that God calls the friend of God. And so in my mind, I thought, that doesn't sound right to me. So I went up to him, and I said, preacher, I think you're inaccurate here. I said, what about Enoch? And he said, young man, the Bible said Enoch walked with God. Yes, sir. Right? I wanted to, and how many times do we do that, right? Instead of sitting in service like this and listening to the word of God preached and go, okay, well, let me me figure out what God's trying to say to me to impact my life. Many people, and I'm not saying you, but many people sit in church trying to find things that they disagree with so they can say, I don't agree with that. Or preacher, you didn't get this right. Amen. I'll be the first to tell you, I'm going to make some mistakes. But it's the way we approach things, right? And so, so the Bible said we're to be swift to respond to speaking. It didn't say we're supposed to be swift to speak. We're to respond. How do we respond to speaking? We're to be hearers of it, right? When, when God speaks to you, you need to be a hearer. And when we read the Word of God, we ought to be listening to what God has to say through His Word. When we're in Sunday school, we ought to listen to what God has to say. Let me ask you this. How many of you, when you come to church, you're listening but you're not hearing? In other words, if, if, if all we're doing is coming to say, hey, I'm going to church so I can hear preaching, and you never apply it to your life, I promise you this, it's a waste of time. Right? So, so most of us are poor listeners. We listen, Brother Johnny, so we can respond. We don't listen to understand. We listen to respond. Now, it has a spiritual application when it comes to hearing the Word of God, but it also has a practical application when it comes to listening to each other. I mean, you get in a room with a few people, and all of a sudden, you can see their wheels turning as you talk. They're going, I'm, I'm processing this, not to understand, but I'm processing it because I have, to, I have to form a response to what you have to say. That's not listening. And I believe that's the reason we have so much turmoil in relationships and especially in our relationship with God because we're not listening to what he has to say. We're, we're hearing it. We're listening with the, with the idea that I want to respond in some way. So we ought to hear and seek to understand, right? God speaks to those who will hear him. You ever thought maybe the reason God doesn't speak to you through his word is because of the way we study the word of God? 
that we're studying the Word of God not necessarily to find out what God wants, to, but, but try to find some verse that will either justify what we think and how we live, say amen right there. See, that, that's the whole division among Bible believers and, you know, all the uh, uh, recovering fundamentalists is they want to figure out what they don't agree with that they've been taught instead of just saying, God, if I'm wrong here, speak to me. Amen. 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 So swift to respond to speak. How do you, how do you respond to it? I mean, I mean, you know, Brother Matt, I... I, I have people once periodically come to me for counseling, and I can tell you right within two minutes whether they're going to listen to anything I have to say. But Jim, they let, you can see it. You say something, they're going, you don't understand. Well, this isn't my first rodeo. I've sat across the desk from a lot of couples having marital issues, and it's always, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say, Preacher, it's my fault. I don't think I've ever had that. I've had a lot of them say it's their fault, right? And I don't know that I've ever had too many that have, and I can tell it because I'll say, listen, I'll be glad to counsel with you if you come to church three times a week. And about one or two counseling sessions is all we get because when you give people the word of God, that's not really what they want to hear. See, that, that's one of the reasons Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches don't have the attendance, right? We don't have the great crowds because people, they want to hear what they want to hear. And see, God doesn't respond to that. God will tell you if you'll study his word and be a listener, a hearer of God's word, he'll put his finger on the very thing you need to work on. Amen. Amen. So swift to respond to speaking, but notice this, slow to resort to speaking. Right? Verse 19, notice what it said, let every man be swift to hear. So it tells me I should, I should listen much more than I speak. I should, I should be more apt to listen than to say anything. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Do we need to go ahead and have an altar call? So, so the Bible said I'm, I'm to be slow to speak. Swift to hear, slow to speak. You say, well... Preacher, I don't think that's exactly right. Well, let me ask you this. Who do you want to be like? You say Christian, you're a Christian, which means Christ-like. Well, it, it, the, the whole purpose of us studying the Word of God be like Christ. Well, we just said that God doesn't mince words, that whatever he's written in his Word is the very thing. So in other words, he's not. this is not a book of fluff. God's not just speaking to say, well, I... I don't have anything to say, and so I'm just going to put all this out there. Everything in there, God has it in there for a purpose. Now we look at when he was examined, remember, when he was in, with Pilate, how, how often did he speak? They marveled because he didn't speak. Right? He wasn't justifying himself. He wasn't uh, defending himself. He was simply, the only thing I remember him saying, Brother Shane, is he said, Thou sayest. Right? Now let, let's, let's flip the script. Let's look at human philosophy is if somebody is running you down, right, or somebody is criticizing you or somebody has hurt your reputation, what it automatically is our flesh tells us to do? I've got to defend myself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good Amen. Well, are you saying, preacher, it's wrong? I don't know what the Bible says. I'm not saying anything. I'm, say, I'm telling you what the Bible said. Swift to hear, slow to speak. Yeah, but if I don't get this off my chest, that's, it's just going to bother me. Well, well maybe, you need to, maybe you need to do a little more praying and a little less speaking. 
Well, I'm not going to let people talk about me that way. I've got to set the record straight. You, can I give you something? You better learn to play dead. Amen. So he says, be slow to speak. In, in other words, silence. You might want this be a good jotter downer. Silence is eloquent. You can't misquote silence. Right? When you run out to the vestibule so you can talk to your friend about what you've heard, you know what, that's, that's not, and by the way, time out, Baptist, I know how we are. Well, I, didn't, I was just listening. I wasn't doing the speaking. I was doing what the Bible said, right? No, you weren't. You missed the principle of it, right? So the Lord could have, uh, he could have corrected Pilate, but silence spoke more than words. You ever met somebody that they don't speak a lot, but when they do, you go, in other words, when they speak, they have something of value to say. Then there's other people that, that they just spout off stuff. I mean, when they talk, you, you just glaze over, right? You're like, whatever, right? But there's certain people when they speak, because they don't speak a lot, you're going, okay, what they have to say is valuable. Well, that's the word of God. Amen. Amen. See, when, when it comes to preaching, it doesn't matter the style. Some people like loud, some people like soft, some people like hackers, some don't. As long as it's the Word of God, then you and I should be swift to hear what someone has to say about it, right? And so silence spoke more than words did. So, so here's, what, here's what I want. Now listen, if you get nothing else, get this. Speak only when necessary. Speak when necessary. They say that Men speak 12,000 words a day and women speak 25,000 words a day. One lady said the reason is because they have to repeat everything twice for us. Maybe that's true. So what we ought to do is think twice before you say anything. Think twice. Think three times. In other words, count the cost. I think there's something in the Word of God about counting the cost of things, right? So... So before I say something, Brother Johnny, what I need to do is count the cost and figure out what the potential results of what I'm going to say is going to be. wonder if we did that, if it, would, if it would take away a lot of the things we think so important to talk about. So think twice before you say anything. So, so the Bible gives us in verse 19, the, the rule is... Uh, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Notice this, slow to wrath. Well, it tells us to, to be slow to wrath for the reason if wrath doesn't work God's righteousness. I, I think I remember the Bible saying somewhere in the Old Testament that a soft word. We live in a day, and, I, and by the way, I know I'm talking to folks that believe the Bible. We're... <laughs> Used to, we'd call it southern hospitality. Bless your heart. You know what we call it now? Mean. Folks, you say you're saved. There's, it, you sh there should not be harsh words that come out. Now, I, know we, I know we're flesh, but it's like, well, you know, how, how often do, with what you say, to even in church, I mean church people, what you say to people in church are harsh words. Amen. 
I thought we'd get a few more amens than that. Why? Because wrath does not work God's righteousness. Right? So, so wrath, the word wrath means temper. And losing one's temper accomplishes nothing, especially for righteousness' sake. Be ye angry and sin not. Well, what's that mean? Well, it tells me I can be angry. You, you can be angry at the things God's angry about. Right? Not the things you want to get angry about. So, so when, we're, when we're slow to speak and slow to resort to speaking, what happens is it, it, how much, I'll raise my hand, how much if, I, if we would think before we spoke uh, that, that a lot of misunderstandings would be taken care of. Amen. Amen. Some of you didn't raise your hand. You ought to think twice because you lied. So when the word of God affects a change in our talk, but then also it affects a change in our walk in verse 21, 22. The Bible, so so if, we can get the, if we can get verse uh, uh, 19 and 20 right, that, hey, may I say this? That'd take care of a lot of problems in church. Take a lot, care of a lot of problems in households. It'd take care of a lot of problems in this world if we just be, be uh, swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath. You say, well, Preacher, why should I do that? Because that's how God is towards you. Yeah. Amen. Listen, if, if, if God treated us the way we treat each other, we'd all be in hell. That's right. Amen. Amen. Think about that for a minute. Right. If God treated you the way you treat other people, where would you be at right now? See, see what we like, we like that part of the Word of God that always is... You know, uh, he's our strong tower and, and he's merciful and he is uh, full of grace. We like all that because we are receivers of that. But then when we come to things like this, it's telling us how, we want, how we're supposed to live for God. We don't want to hear that, right? That, that's, why, that's why this mushy, gushy, lovey-dovey gospel that's always out there has all these. Because like, well, God knows how you are and he knows your flesh and he knows how, how feeble you are. And all he's there for, he's the big grandpa in the sky and he wants you to be happy and healthy and everything's great in life. No, there's, that's, there's that side of him, but there's a side of him saying, listen, you represent me, and so what I want to do is make you more like Christ, and in order for you to be more like him, you've got to, you've got to take the word of God, and you've got to listen to what he's saying to us. So there's the effect to our talk, but then there's an effect to our walk. In verse 21, the Bible said, wherefore lay apart all. Again, we believe it's in, the Bible's inspired. So it tells me that I'm, Sean, that I'm to take those things that are, that are ungodly in my life and I'm to take them and I'm to lay them aside. That's what that means. Now what am I to lay aside? Well, notice the next word, all. Well, that doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like what we're hearing today. Today, it's, we're hearing more of God doesn't really care. The only thing that matters is salvation, right? That's, that's, the, that's the radical grace mindset. It, the only thing that matters is salvation. Anything other than that doesn't matter. Well, James is writing. Notice what he said. He said, wherefore, my beloved, what? Huh. I don't sound like writing to lost men. Brethren is us. He's writing to Jewish Christians. He's saying, listen, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Well, then he goes on, wherefore lay apart 
all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So, so here, here's what he's saying, ready? So he tells us first in verse 21 what we must reject. He said, lay aside all of these things or lay apart all of these things. Well, what's it mean? Filthiness. What's dirty, what's impure. Everything impure in your life, everything dirty, everything filthy, he said, you need to lay it apart. Right? Not, 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 not the most vile thing. He's saying all of it. If it's... If, if, if you... I washed my truck the other day. I hadn't washed it in several weeks. And how many know this? If you hadn't washed your vehicle in several weeks, and you, if you keep it clean all the time, it's easier to wash. But I washed it. Man, I thought I'd done a good job, Brother Eddie. And I looked, and there's a spot on it, about like that, where I took that brush and I just missed it. Was that truck clean? Still dirty, right? See, a lot of us in our Christian walk take the approach, well, the same thing wash. Well, I, I ran water over it. I hit the high points, right? You ain't got to clean everything, just the high points, what people can see. That's all that really matters. No, it's not clean. And that's why we a lot of folks approach their Christian walk. Well, I'll just hit the high points. I, as long as I'm not drinking liquor and smoking dope and committing adultery, then then all no, he said all of it. You say, Well, I'm not there. Well, none of us are there. But that's, that's what we're to be striving for. So he's telling us all filthiness needs to be rejected. Right? We're not to embrace it. Hey, by the way, that means it, there, a few weeks ago I heard, uh, what was this, uh, Alistair Begg. They're asking him, there's, I think, a, a couple that had a transgender grandchild. And he told them it was all right to go to the wedding and, you know, because you didn't want to sever that relationship because maybe down the road you could, you could have that opportunity to win them to Christ. No, no, no. Am I, am I in the right place tonight? I mean, I thought, I thought we were to stand against that, right? So the filthiness, the dirt, the filth, impurity, superfluity means overflowing wickedness. And then naughtiness, watch this, deals with the desire. And Jesus, remember what he did? They said uh, in, in the Gospels, they were talking about, uh, he said, you know, he said, they said not to commit adultery. I say that if you look on a woman lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. What's he dealing with? He's dealing with the desire, not the action. See, the action, no doubt, we know is sinful. But what we don't look at a lot of times is the desire for the action is sinful as well. See, God's interested in what's going on in here, right? And what we're interested in is, is what I... It, we, we're, the Bible said abstain from the appearance of evil, which is fine. But if you still have the evil in your heart that you're not willing to root out, listen, you're still committing sin. And so he's dealing with naughtiness or the desires of the filth and the superfluity uh, of wickedness. Things that belong to the old nature cannot be allowed. Now, are we going to do those things? Sure, because we're still in the flesh. But we should not be... We should not be uh, 
accepting of it, we should always be striving. That's why, that's why repentance is so important. That's why when we sin, if we sin, uh, and by the way, we will, uh, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so if God's offering us salvation, he's offering us forgiveness, then, then the fact that we don't take advantage of it is a sin because it's pride. I don't need you to forgive me. Yes, you do. See, God already knows what we've done. He's wanting us to acknowledge what we've done so that we may confess it and have our fellowship restored with him. So what we, you and I must reject in our walk is filthiness, naughtiness, things that belong to the old nature. We're to lay apart or get rid of them. Just get rid of them. Well, not only is it do what we must reject, but then he says what we must receive. So in verse uh, 21, he said... So, see, here's the thing with, with separation, okay? That's right. Man, I'm, I'm 53. Yes, I've been in Baptist church pretty much my whole life. And I know I've heard a lot of preaching on separation. And usually when we Baptists talk about separation, we're talking about getting rid of stuff, right? right? right. Just, if you remember... Listen, you young people will have no clue what this is. Just hang with me. Man, we go to youth revivals and say, we're going to have a tape burning. See, that's what, before you had phones and you downloaded stuff on your phone, that's what you listened to songs on were, were cassette tapes. But then so old, they, had, they didn't have them. They had big round albums. They weren't Frisbees. They were records, right? They said, come, get right with God, bring all your stuff and throw it in there and there'd be a big fire and everybody would get excited. Hallelujah. The problem was they didn't put any good things back in. See, you can get rid of stuff, but you don't put the right stuff back in, then there's still going to be that desire and it's going to be worse. Huh? So, So that's what he's dealing with. So in this scripture, notice what he's saying. The first part of this verse He's saying that we're to lay apart, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive and receive. Yes, sir. So it's saying get rid of this stuff, but then you've got to take this in. Right? right? You've got to put something in the hole that was left by the junk. Yes, Amen? And, and so here's what he said in verse uh, 20, 21. He said, uh, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So what we m- must receive, it, notice the word meekness means that we're to accept all of God's dealings with us as good. Right. Buddy, that's hard in this flesh. When God chastens you, you have to understand that's good. Remember when you was a kid and your mom would spank you or whoop you? Right? She'd say, this is for your own good. And the best one was, this hurts me worse than her. Isn't it? And it didn't hurt her worse than it hurt me. Right? But how many know this, looking back, you understand it. Right? You didn't understand it then. You thought it was cruel. Right? But the fact is, unless the punishment is more harsh than the excitement of doing the thing, there's no deterrent from you doing it. So when God is chastening us, what he's doing it for is our own good. 
right? God, God loves you more than you love your children. And he's saying, listen, I'm doing this for your good. Now, you don't see it that way because we have this secular mindset of God that, well, a good daddy or a good mama, they just let their kids run wild and do anything they want to do. Well, that's what this world teaches. So we've allowed that to infiltrate the church. And it's like, well, if God chastens you, well, it's because he's, he's a bad God and he's mad and upset. And he, no, he's doing it for your good. So we have to accept that. Meekness is accepting all of God's dealing with us is good. If I believe he's good, Brother Matt, if I know he's good, and he is, then whatever he does is good. Right? I didn't say it felt good. It's just good. And so he says he deals with this engrafted, engrafted word. And that that has, the, has the illustration of something that is sown, rooted, or implanted. The engrafted word is implanted in us, right? God puts it in us through preaching and teaching and studying the word of God and, and just the, the still small voice. And so James saw the word of God as a plant taking hold of the believer's heart and changing his behavior. Listen, it doesn't happen all over. There's some people, I'm thankful, you know, Brother Kenneth say, well, I got saved and God took the desire for this out of my life right then. Praise God. That doesn't happen that way for everybody. Some people, listen, if you've grown up in church, that's a whole lot different than somebody that's got saved from a, a wicked world of sin and they don't know how to act in church and act as a Christian. So don't, don't look down your nose at them. Uh, help them get the word of God in their life and let the Holy Spirit deal with them. And by the way, you haven't arrived, neither have I. And so if you ever get to the place where you start looking down your nose and say, well, look at how they're acting. They say they're saved. There's probably somebody looking at you, looking at you the same exact way. And I know there's a God in heaven that's looking down at us. God to say sometimes, what is wrong with them? Right? So God implants that word and it begins to grow. Well, how does it grow? Well, the more you feed the spirit, it grows more. The more you feed the flesh, it chokes that word out. Right? And so what he's saying is you need more of the word. He's placed the seed in us. And as we, as we, as we continue studying the word of God and letting the spirit of God lead us and spending time in the things of God, it grows and it changes who we are. That's how your behavior changes. Listen to what I'm saying. And it doesn't become a burden. See, a lot of Christians, we say it all the time, you got your little independent Baptist checklist. Didn't do that today, didn't do that, I did that, I did that. God, you're happy with me, aren't you? But see, it, and what happens is, is it becomes so overwhelming for people because they're living this life that they're supposed to live as a Christian and the Word of God's never taken root in them. So it becomes so burdensome to them, they're like, I can't do this anymore. That's why people get out of church a lot of times. That's why they walk away from the faith because the Word is not really rooted in them and flourished and so they're doing things for the wrong reason I'm not doing this to gain more favor with God he loves me the way I am I'm doing it to show him how much I love him because of what he's done for me man it's a privilege to serve God and so if you look at God as this big grandpa in the sky that the only reason he's there is to give me whatever I want you're going to be disappointed and serving God is going to be burdensome to you instead of a blessing 
So what we must receive, but then he, do, he tells us this, the, the, what we must resolve in our life. So here's what he said. Verse 22, but be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. See, there must be a willing cooperation on our part. Obedience to the word if the word is to actively transform us. You got to do it. It's like this. So the day we live, let's be honest, you can find a YouTube video on anything and everything. Right? You, there's books out there. You can get a book on anything. Right? So ladies, if you say, you know, and I know you're not, right? I've been to enough fellowship dinners. You're all good cooks. But let's just use this. Let's say somebody that doesn't go to our church. Okay, I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> somebody doesn't go to our They don't know how to cook. Right? Their husband says, honey, I love you. but And you say, well, I'm going to learn how to cook. And I'm going to learn how to cook his favorite meal. And you Google it. And they give you all the ingredients. And they have this channel. And you watch it. You go, okay. Then you go, I'm going to watch another one. And all of a sudden you get caught in this cycle of just watching all these videos on how to cook this particular dish. Right? But you never take that and actually go cook the dish. What good did it do you? Right? If you, you, you guys that like to hunt, if you watch all these hunting shows and videos and you know how to read the signs and man, here's here's a scrape and you know here here's this and man, here's some uh, the, uh, trail here and all that, but you never go out and hunt, right? The only thing you did it for is when you go down to the cafe to tell everybody how much you know, right? There's all the information out there, but if you don't take the information and do something with it, you're not a doer. And see, that, that's, that's where a lot of Christians are. They, they read the Word of God because, well, I'm supposed to read the Bible. But see, if you read it every day and, and you're not doing what the Bible says to do, you're really not allowing the Word of God to blossom in you. I'll give you this example. How many of you, when you leave here tonight, anything that's been preached is going to impact you at all? I mean, you, you may agree with it intellectually, right? Yep, good message, preacher. I agree with everything you said. But see, if you don't go out and take what's been preached from God's word and you don't do something with it, you're just a hearer. And I'm afraid that's where a lot of people... I'll give, give this example, Brother Jimmy. Am I right on this? There's nobody in here. There's, no, there's nobody that I know that is a Bible-believing Christian that would disagree with the, the fact that three times in the gospel and one time in the book of Acts, God tells us we're to go out and tell people about Jesus. Good. Nobody, right? But see, if all you do is know it and you don't do it, you're not a doer of the word. Right. And what, what happens a lot of times, Brother Brad, see, we, we've equated this idea of sin as long as I don't violate the things God tells me not to do, as long as I stay away from violating the law, 
then I'm good. Right? The Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness. I mean, there's certain things that we'll stay away from and go, I'm doing pretty good. But then we'll take things, for instance, again, go to our scripture, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. We'll look at that and go, well, that's more of a suggestion. No, that's, that's a command of God. So if we don't do what God told us to do here, that's sin, by the way. That's as much sin as adultery. So there must be a willing cooperation on our part to be obedient to the Word of God. And we're not to simply listen to the Word of God. We must do what it says. Let me say this. I'll close. Bible study is not an end of itself. It must be the cause to make us do what God tells us to do. Just because you read your Bible doesn't mean anything. Right. Let me know this. When you when you was in school, I'll speak for me. I would read textbooks to get the answer for the test. Forgive me. If there was an easier way to get the answers for the test other than read the textbook, I'd do that. Right? I mean, why? Because the only thing that mattered is taking the test. Now, all these years later, you look back and say, I really wish I'd paid attention so I could have, you know, so when people start talking about history and I, or science, and I'm like, you know, and they say, well, you should learn that in third grade. Y'all school must have taught something different than ours did, right? We weren't, we, we weren't, we were just doing enough to get the right answer. It wasn't impacting us, right? And let's be honest, in the day we live, that's why our, part of why our country's in such a mess. We don't know the history of our country, so it's like, well, right? We don't know the history of our Bible. We don't know the history of Baptists. You know, there's some Baptists you still think you're Protestant, Right? And so a lot of people go through their Christian walk the same way. Well, I just, I want to read to say I read. I don't really want this to change who I am except for the parts that, you know, going to make me happy and going to make me wealthier and, you know, going to make my life easier. That's the only part I want. But then when the trials come, we go, well, I didn't sign up for that. Then when the chastening comes, we don't want that part, see. you got to resolve to be a doer. And that's what the whole theme of the book of James is about, being a doer. Yes, sir. Doer of the word of God. See, we got, we, got enough, we got enough of Christians that, you know, they know, it, they know all the stuff. I mean, go back to faith. If I were to ask you, what is faith? You'd go to Hebrews and quote 55 verses about what faith is. But what good's that doing you if you don't live by faith? What good's that doing you when every time a trial comes up in your life, you, you almost lose your mind. Right. I mean, seriously. Right. right? I mean, you know, we'll trust God. Just trust God. It's all in God's plan. Right up to you got to go in the hospital. Amen. Then all of a sudden, you don't know if it's God's plan or not, right? right I mean, that's why Christians are anemic because we hear it, but we don't, we don't do it. Yes, 
And so if you want to, if you want the gain of God's word, you got to do it. And then when you do it, God enlightens you and gives you more revelation to where you're well. The whole, the whole theme of our revival was, was closeness to God. Amen. Well, you're not going to get close to God if you're not doing what he says, right? right? right. I mean, parents, if, if your kids are rebellious to you, they're still part of your family, but it severs the fellowship, Amen. right? I mean, you listen, you tell your kids, now go, out, go clean up your room. They say, no, I'm not going to. I don't do what I want to do. It's my room. I, if I don't want to clean it, you're not going to make me. You'd beat the blood out of them. Yeah. Right? But then we do the same thing to God and we go, well, who are you to tell me? I'm your child. You shouldn't treat me this way. We don't understand why there's no closeness. Right? Because we're not doers. We're hearers. Listeners. James saying, listen, you gotta, you got to do more than just listen. If you don't do the word of God, then you really don't believe the word of God. These say what we believe, but our belief affects our behavior, right? I mean, if, if people believe Jesus can come back tonight, I say it often. They'd be in church tonight, wouldn't they? If they could. Now, I know you've got some sick and traveling, whatever. But, I mean, if, if you're not providentially hindered, if you, if you think Jesus is going to come back tonight, you'd be in church. Why? Because right. Wednesday night we're meeting. That's where you ought to be. Right? right? right. We're like, hey, he can come back any time. Hallelujah. I can't wait till he comes. You say that. Good. But that, that judgment seat, we we got to remember that's coming too, by the way. Uh, yes, right? So, it's one thing to say what we believe, but it's another thing to prove what we believe right. in our actions. Right. Now, we're going to close out in prayer tonight, and we always do that on Wednesday night, and gather around the altar and pray, and after you pray, you're free to.